Well, welcome back to another episode of The Miles Driven with me, Miles. And official tax return supplier, Sam. Tax return supplier. Have we got a... Uh... Well, we, don't, we haven't got income at the moment, so right. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, have we got a, a sponsor I don't know about for the no. podcast? But no, but it's, just... One of, it's just another one of the job titles I had. It's not my fault, there's nothing to do. Do you know what? I'm going to love it when this uh, has like some really difficult year with trying to pay tax. And I'm saying, Sam, you have said on a recording, <laughs> and I have it to pay to you, that you're the tax man. So there's Absolutely all fine. our receipts. Yeah, that's fine. Deal with it. It's all right. I'll go into QuickBooks and away we go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's an advert for you. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to talk about why we are short of truck drivers. Okay. Because Sam's been wanting to do that for a while. And then we're going to talk about the Porsche 911 in the 996 generation. That's the, uh, for some people that are familiar with it, the fried egg headlight, as some people like to call it. The best ones. It's the one that Sam really likes and that a lot of people for a, for a long time have been sort of underappreciated. They're the one that stands out because they don't have round headlights mm-hmm. that's the sort of the ones that look better i'd say sam is, <laughs> is probably leading the charge on this one uh i think they were made i think the earliest you can get one is possibly 97 but i think 98 is safe and then until late 04 into 05 fantastic period of car yeah industry I'm just trying to think if you could actually get any in 05 i think there probably were a few knocking around but possibly not like I think production had ended in you know, 04. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, maybe a few special editions or something like that. Because definitely by 06, they were gone. So we'll, Sad day. Yeah. Or sad year. Well, the funny thing is that the 997 generation that follows it, is on the, it it's essentially a very, very heavy facelift. Mm-hmm. But it's not a new car, as you like. Like when they went into the next generation, the 991, the newer ones. Yeah. Um, that's a new car sort of from the ground up. Whereas the 997 that followed it, which went back to round headlights, isn't a brand brand new car. So it's a heavy reworking. Yeah. Say. First off, there's been, there was an issue. I can't actually remember how old this was before, since it was headline news. Probably a year, maybe a year and a half when they were sort of saying we haven't got any truck drivers. And it was a problem across the world. Yeah, it was sort of at the end, well, mid, mid to end of COVID, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I think yeah. that's about the... Um, the time and all of a sudden everyone was saying well there's not enough truck drivers and wages were going up for them mm-hmm. and there was bonus schemes to try and get truck drivers in yeah they were on about reducing the the level of the um tests as well weren't they to make it yeah. easier for people to yeah, get yeah. which is a good idea when you've got a 30 to 40 <laughs> ton vehicle tons, heading down tons, the road and just yeah. some bloke that's turned up and gone yeah well i, I once played a driving game uh, and uh, you know flew a few cars over a, a house and i want a job yeah. So good. Yeah, well, uh, I'm always on my phone. Yeah. Never ever. I've got the concentration span of a fish. Do you know what? I want to point out how difficult they made it to become a truck driver. Is that a friend of ours, Ross? Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to to become a, a lorry driver. We we call it. Sorry, just for people listening around the world. If you're listening in the UK, obviously we call it lorry driver. Sometimes we call it truck driver, just because we use an American term sometimes, but. A lot of people around the world will use truck driver. I think Europeans generally use the term lorry. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. No, I genuinely don't know. I know that if I said truck driver across Europe, people know what I mean, as in they they don't think I'm talking about a pickup truck. So I think we'll stick with truck. Okay. Because more people... Just because we seem to have a a broader and broader range of people. So some of the people that listen to this podcast, like some of the countries, I'm like, really? I had someone who... (laughs) who, um, messaged us on youtube the other day 
it was under one of our videos and they had written the whole message in portuguese they oh. were from brazil interesting and they said oh we you know, really liked your range rover we did a range rover special one back on episode 30 and they said, are you doing a Land Rover one? They'd written it all in Portuguese. Right. So I had to Google Translate it, then Google <laughs> Translate my answer back, and then I put an English answer underneath for people who were wondering what was being said. And I thought, I'm... You Has know, YouTube not got the auto-translate that you get on most... Not for comments. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, well, sorry. If you were looking at it on, you know, if you've gone to one of our videos, you could click on auto-translate. When I receive it on the back end... Right, okay. I, 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 have, I don't have an option for that. Right, that um, makes and sense. So I didn't want my answer to then be translated poorly yeah. using the auto-translate, so I thought I might as well write <laughs> it in English. like an illiterate person. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, just for that reason, I just think we'll just say truck driver just because most people know what it means. But yeah, if you're in the UK, lorry driver, make it easy. He wants to become one of them for quite a long time. And I remember talking to him about this years ago before there was any talk of you know, shortages of drivers, everything else. And the issue he had, I think it was about five or six thousand pounds to go through the training and everything wow. else and you know he had okay money but he had bills like everyone else yeah well not many people have got to spare five or six grand just to no. throw away on a whim yeah well this is the problem is that there was companies like we can train you but you have to you know we'll finance you and then you have to pay it back but it's like a loan and i think he sort of had a couple of loans at the time so he was a bit like oh i don't really want to add another one yeah and because obviously you're not earning while you're doing the training he wouldn't be able to make all the bills yeah i thought i was like this is weird why can't you just do this as like okay every saturday come in oh, like, so it work. has to be like a monday to friday type it, thing it was like yeah you went in and i think it was i'm not i'm i'm, I'm not going to remember but it was certainly enough that he wouldn't have been able to even take holiday to cover it it would have been like over a month or something That's like that uh to do it from beginning to end the licenses have him in the book and then him being able to go and get yeah i remember uh when i was um, I think I've mentioned on the podcast many a times I did a food delivery job while I was um, mm -hmm. at university and there was a lorry driver that came in and he had was visiting the store he was just having lunch with us and he said oh you should, guys should look at doing lorries and we were, it was me and a couple of guys who were part-timers who obviously did other things whether they had full-time jobs or in education or whatever um, and but he had been a van driver right and Tesco had paid to transition him not oh, okay. like I say they, okay they had sort of done a co-op. Right, he was paying okay. some of it. They were paying some of it. He could do it on some work time, the training. So they helped him transition. Mm -hmm. So he was okay. And obviously then his salary went up yeah. quite, quite a lot. But for someone who was looking at coming into the industry cold, it was really difficult. And I thought, this is outrageous. Why are you having to pay £6,000? Surely, surely you just say, I want to be a lorry driver. You sign up to a company, for example. Well, I don't want to name them because it's a bit unfair to name just one. but one of the big uh, delivery companies. Yeah, yeah. And you say, okay, I'll sign up to work for you for the next three years, definitely, or whatever. Yeah, well, that's what you'd expect. Because it's not like, a, like airline pilots used to do this, and now they make you pay £100,000, and it means that it's only really people that have got the money or can borrow the money or yeah. whose parents can borrow the money that can, that can go and study it, which is why uh, there's more and more openings happening, but it's why there's also been a shortage for airline pilots. But you understand it because... The training in some schools is six figures. Yeah, well, it's just, just beyond everyone. Pretty it's beyond much, right? almost, yeah. Um, but for this, I was like, well, why wouldn't a delivery company, if they had their own training section within the company and they just hired someone salaried to do, you know, to get the someone yeah. from 
you know, from the street, if you like, just inverted commas from the street. Mm -hmm. Train them up. Um, they could probably do van deliveries on the side for a little while, but train them up to be a lorry driver, put them in the lorry. Because there's this whole thing of they can't just get straight into a lorry. They have to have someone right, okay. with them at first. Yeah. There's a certain number of hours they have to okay. prove. And so anyway, it was it was more difficult than I thought. And I'd said to him a few times and I'd followed up with him and he was just like, it's just really difficult because he couldn't, he didn't want to leave his job on a whim to no. get a license. Well, you which, wouldn't. And then hope that he could get a job as a new driver with one of the firms that were offering. Yeah. You know, um, he was just like, oh, I'm earning, you know, well, I don't, I don't know exactly what he was earning at the time, but let's just say he was earning similar money to what he was going to get as a junior or, you know, first time guy driving a lorry. He's like, it's difficult, but he wanted to do the job. So there's someone, they want to go and do it. Yeah. They're not doing it. So you lose that segment of people. Then you're losing a lot of people from the side that if they've got a license and they've done it for, say, seven or eight years and they have a family and they're away a lot and they decide, you know what, um, I can, enough's enough yeah and, and maybe they've got a different skill set and they go and do something else so this this was like a known issue was saving up and saving up so it wasn't just the salary there yeah. were other issues that were arising and I think one of the areas that was never really talked about was the I don't want to say working conditions but the conditions of being a lorry driver are not really conducive to a lot of people well no they're not it's very antisocial for a start because yeah. you're not going to be it's not like you're going to nip out at nine o'clock in the morning. And you're going to come home at five o'clock in the evening because you don't. That's not when deliveries are needed. You're going to be leaving at four, three, four, five in the morning, and you're yep. coming home at, you know, maybe in the afternoon. Maybe you're doing a long shift. Maybe I don't know what the what the parameters and the working hours are and the limits. But well, they've got their yeah. their tachograph, haven't they? Yeah, but ge generally it's going to be an early start. And I think they're away from home for expand extended periods, so it's yeah. not like you drive off say three o'clock in the morning. And then come home at nine o'clock at night. Well, no, because you're not driving just locally. No. So you? You, you might be three days away from home. Yeah. Back for a day. And then you might be five days away from home. Uh, that is already going to be difficult. I think it's made more difficult by someone brought this up. Um, I can't remember how we got it, whether it was a comment that someone made or whether it was a message that came through to us about why don't you sort of have a chat about this? Or maybe it might have even been my friend Russ. I can't quite remember how we, we got to it. I've had this note for a little while. Right, okay. <laughs> just thought, oh. I'll I thought it was an odd one when you said this is what we're doing today. I was yeah, like, oh, okay. <laughs> I had this noted down and I was like, we need to do this on a podcast. But I'm trying to fit it in because it's not a full podcast on its own. Yeah. Um, but someone said, well, it's not just work. When you think of working conditions, you think, well, the cab that they're in or, you know, how antisocial it is, like you say, being mm -hmm. away from people. But the other thing is that keeps quite a lot of people away, something I didn't really think about. And say the guy I talked to who was the Tesco delivery driver, lorry driver, yeah. truck driver, he, he was going store to store. So right, he was having okay. quite a nice break. You know, he, he drives up, someone unloads it for him. He goes into the cafeteria. There's always tea and coffee facilities. There's uh, subsidized meals, whatever else. Yeah. So he's having a quite a nice, you know, that's one of the better ones and probably why the supermarkets are able to keep a lot of their drivers. Yes. But for your average haulage guys, they are stopping a service. One of the services, motorway, A road. Yeah. There's pretty much no uh, real areas for them to. You know, they park up in the lorry park. Yep. There might be a shower in the services. 
Well, yeah, there is, but they're always pretty dingy, aren't they? Because so, yeah. they're just in the toilets. So yes, exactly. As far as I'm aware, anyway, yeah, unless yeah. they've got their own special block um, somewhere. And even so, you're still going back out to a tarmac car park. There's no picnic area. Well, I said picnic area. There's no hutted sort of area. Like, you can go and sit in this hut yeah. and have lunch all together. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I know... You always want, like, a pub. But yeah, just for them. But, but without <laughs> booze. Yeah, obviously, yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah. But no, you do. You want, like, a rest area. One of the things I saw in... Uh, in Australia, where they do the real long distance trucking across the country, yeah, is they'll have um, basically small towns that exist off of the trucks stopping. Okay, so they have small inns. You know, it's not the sort of place you would go to on on a vacation or a holiday or anything like that. No, you, you would sort of turn up. You can rent a bed if you like. You know, or it's free if you have a meal there. And but you as have, a rest stop, it's yeah. You have four or five yeah. hours out the cab, and then you're kind of sat, like you say, it's kind of like a pub environment, as we would yeah, know it in the UK, we're social. like a canteen type yeah. thing. And you sit in there, and of course, everyone around you, you pretty much have something to talk about because you all do the same job. Yeah, and you probably have all been to similar places, so it's quite that would add in quite a bit of community to this area. Whereas when it's just parked up, you know, wherever you can get a space in a motorway stop or you see a lot of them stopped in industrial sites yeah which it's not the safest place to stop. well then you've got worried about being broken into as well haven't you yeah which is why you see lorries parked up and they've got the back doors open and it's like this is what's stored in here there's nothing stored in yeah. here and or it's just pallets or whatever yeah and then there's or... people that you they think they have to worry about people nicking diesel and stuff out of their tanks overnight. Yeah. So. and then there's the safety of them themselves yeah i mean we always have in our heads i think a pretty skewed view of what a truck driver looks like <laughs> you imagine this sort of fairly rough looking guy who hasn't shaved for two days and you're wearing a vest with stains on it yeah <laughs> and you wouldn't want to mess with him sort of thing that's not the reality of a lot of truck drivers a lot of them are quite respectable guys that just are doing a, a, a living and i say guys because because of these conditions i understand why you don't see that many women going into the profession yeah because you are like i say if you're in an industrial estate you're on your own dark sort of corner at the back where you've managed to find some parking mm -hmm. you're worried about as you say maybe someone's going to nick diesel they might try and damage your truck they might you know come along try and nick something out the back whatever they might try and get in the truck yeah. you're out there on your own you know <laughs> that's a real that's a position a lot of people don't want to put themselves in well exactly uh, even when i did the van driving i remember that we it was it was a bit of a more of a mix there was sort of a couple of women doing the job and we would go quite far out into the countryside where you are on a real dark bit of the country lane trying to find a house in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they they would could take care of themselves. It wasn't that. It was just that you thought, we'd sort of have the conversation with them and they'd be like, oh yeah, no, all of their friends, female friends, thought mm -hmm. they were mad. Like, thought they were completely crazy. So they were like, but you don't know where you're going. You know, you're, you're 20 miles from the nearest house. You haven't got phone signal. It's pitch black. Yeah, it's and sad when you have to think like that, really. It's horrible, yeah. But then you understand why you're putting off uh, a lot of women, a lot of men, because not <laughs> a lot of men don't want to be in that position. No. Then you add into the fact that we don't build anything for them to have a societal mix. I really don't understand why it's not like a government-sponsored uh, sort of area to say, okay, all truck stops must have seating for, say, 40 people, you know, well sort of ventilated with showers and uh, toilets at the back. And yeah. 
possibly like some tea, coffee, maybe a microwave. I know they put these in the services, Moto and um, uh, Welcome Break and all these. They generally do have them in there. But really what happens for a lot of these guys, they've either got to bring sandwiches from home, eat the fast food that's yeah. there. I remember when I lived in Australia, that was a huge problem. And they were talking about how they wanted to try and help truck drivers there. Because if they're on the road, it was your McDonald's. KFC. Yeah, it's going to be your standard go-to. You're not going to go and buy a load of ingredients and try and make something yourself your when, you haven't, when you haven't got an oven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, having something in a, in a rest area where you could have people go in and put maybe a security camera in there, put it as someone's responsibility to check on it so people can feel a bit safe, but also yeah. have a bit of community around it. I think that would attract a lot more people. You get rid of oh, some of the loneliness. Would. Yeah, I mean, you think for what you do, Sam, you, you're out for sometimes half a day or a whole day on your own doing a, a particular part of uh, yeah, yeah. the lands- landscaping, yeah? Yeah. But you've started the day talking to someone about what you're going to do. They know where you are. If an accident were to happen, they're aware, well, Sam's down there. I haven't heard from him all day, you know. Yeah. Or well, he hasn't turned up for lunch. I might go check yeah, on where you know he is. I mean? yeah. Whereas I can imagine it, you kind of start to feel like no one cares about you. Obviously, yeah. your loved ones and stuff. But again, another thing is if you're out on some of these... Because, you know, when they're tacos coming up and they have to stop. Yeah. If you're stopped in an industrial estate, it's a fairly lonely, quiet, cold place to be sometimes. Yeah, and it is, yeah. Not always somewhere where you've got, say, a phone signal or whatever else. So you can feel a bit uh, out on your own. Yeah, like. of course you would, yeah. A bit exposed, you know. No, so, we all like to be on our own sometimes. Like Sometimes well, it's nice yeah. to me when... Uh, when I go to work and I know I know none of the, my colleagues are working that day and I've got the whole day to myself. But then sometimes you'll be sat there in the morning and, for example, last week, there were, I was the only one in last week. And every morning I'd be sat there for the sort of morning meeting period of the day. And I'd just be sat there going, well, well what am I going to do? Have a meeting with myself? Yeah. And just sit yeah, there and yeah. talk to myself for half an hour before I go out and start. So you just go out and start working. Which is fine, because you end up getting a bit more done. But, but you, you wouldn't know, want to it, do it every single day. No, it ruins just sort of morning routine a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you lose the... Humans are pretty much all of us. I mean, I know some people are a bit more introverted than others. But we do like to be have a feeling of being around yeah. other well, humans. Well, we'll come in at half seven in the morning, we put the kettle on, we make a cup yeah. of tea or coffee, yeah, yeah. and we'll sit and have our, in inverted commas, morning, morning meeting, yes. which is just chatting for half an hour. With and a then cup we go, of tea, yeah. yeah. But this is why I think... I, I like if you had a truck stop where you actually had sort of an open place where if 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 everyone is going to sleep in the truck stop at um at services yeah to be able to if you've got to get on the road set at five o'clock to be able to get up go into this sort of canteen area get yourself a cup of tea have a sit down at least say morning to someone if you wanted yeah, to <laughs> you know have a look on your phone for a minute maybe there's a news article to talk to the sort of six or seven other people that are also getting going early and just have that morning interaction. Oh, you know, morning, Dad. Where, where are you off to? Oh, I'm going to this end of the country. Oh, oh, I'm going international. Do you know what I mean? Just that little bit. Yeah. I think that would that would do a lot for for the, a lot of these drivers, and I think it would probably attract more people. So, or even if you'd overslept and you'd had happened to speak to someone the night before and said, "Oh, yeah, I'm on the road at five and they're like, "Well, it's ten to five and he's not. He's not. Doesn't seem to be any movement. They'll just knock on. Around. They'll just knock on your window and wake you up. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. something like you know. So this is where I, I just think um, I, I think a lot more could be done there, and I don't think it's necessarily down to the companies even. Although, if to be fair, if they all just put in a few quid together and spoke to a lot of the service areas and said, "Look, 
we want to build something um then you mind if we put this up uh we'll yeah. we'll all put in yeah. you know what there's sort of i don't know 20 or whatever major haulage firms they wouldn't have to put much in each no uh to to get this done i know it wouldn't be a big earner for any of the uh, services but you know what this is where you maybe you need to get the government involved and say these people are moving around the food that the population eats yeah that's a critical area of of your well it's not even just the food is it it's everything no it's not you're absolutely right it isn't just the food but i mean just on those more basic yeah that's obviously the crucial stuff yeah yeah yeah. but even you know clothes everything that's uh what is it a truck i saw one with it written on the side of it and it was something like um you know everything that you've eaten worn or yeah came to you in a truck so or even driven yeah exactly cars are are delivered to forecourts on on the back of on transports uh, yeah yeah so yeah i just uh i hope there is something a bit on the future for that and if we uh at the miles driven if we ever come up with any ideas and we are ever given a platform to (laughs) talk about it uh then yeah i think we would because Mom's going to be out there with his Save the Truckers placard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think... Starting a protest down at Westminster. It's one of those sad things that if one politician mentioned it and someone said, oh, this might win a couple of votes. Oh, yeah, again, great traction. It would say... Yeah, people would say it a bit loudly in in the... I mean, it probably wouldn't do much in Parliament because they never do much. But then it would... Are you saying they just sit there and talk? Absolutely not, Sam. We don't do politics. (laughs) (laughs) They would say something and then the newspapers would put it in the big headlines of you know, why don't you just build this truck stuff? And someone out there would go, well, the cost of putting up a cabin-type thing for 40 people to sit in, because, you know, you don't... If if hundreds turn up a day, they don't all turn up at once. Yeah, no, that's fair. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't... I've seen these type of things. As I say, they, Australia has them in sort of the far reaches. I think Canada uh, yeah. has them in the far reaches the same. But it's all when they're, they're really far out there. And it's because, I suppose, there has to be a community, because... If you break down in the middle of the outback, (laughs) you are going to be, you are a long way away from anything and you need to, someone needs to know you're there. I'll tell you what, that'd be a different sort of, you know, you've got ice road truckers, which obviously focuses on Canada and that. You could have like the M6 truckers. Yeah, there you go. And it'd just be a load of blokes just driving up and down the M6. (laughs) One of those, if they did British truckers, (laughs) that that would probably be enough for it. That would get enough people It'd be a different vibe, I think, but it would be worth watching. But anyway. Uh, we'll move on to the Porsche 911, and we're going to talk about the 996 generation. Now, if you're not familiar with it, as I said, it's the one that was produced. Finding some pictures. Hey, can you just double check on that that first date, Sam? Just see the production dates. I'm pretty sure. I shall have a look. You talk. I'm pretty sure that the, I think the first ones were 97, but they definitely would have been 98, and then um, up until about 05. Uh, some of the later ones, I think, came in 05. But the, the, 97 until Mr. Incorrect. Ah. Uh, 2006? Yes. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen. Oh, maybe I've seen. Wrong. I haven't seen 54. <laughs> okay. 2006. 2005 and 6 for the 911 Turbo S, GT2, and GT3. So the, the sort of last run out yeah. ones were yeah. in those last years. Okay. So that means when did the. So the 997 may have actually already got into showrooms yeah and they were sort of selling the very end yeah it'd have been like a crossover i yeah. thought wouldn't it they always have a bit of like a few months or whatever but yeah um, maybe because they were sort of special editions they weren't competing because they didn't have the 996 yeah uh, the 997 turbo until oh well middle of 06 so yeah it probably would have been a good crossover for them but yeah this is the so you you've got the the entry-level carrera yep carrera s from there 
Yeah, but you wanted me oh, to look this up. Yeah, if you could, just make sure I get them in the right order. Because it's either Carrera 4 and then Carrera S, or it's Carrera, Carrera S, and Carrera 4. I can't remember which way around that hierarchy works. I think it's going to be Carrera, Carrera S, Carrera 4, Carrera Targa, possibly. Then Carrera... Weirdly, Wikipedia doesn't actually have a list, which is annoying. It's got all of the special ones, so I can do all but, the special not the... ones for you, but I haven't got... Do, do the special ones, Sam. Let me check to make sure Okay, I'm... so special ones. GT variants, obviously GT2, GT3, GT3 RS. Uh, just interestingly, the 996 is the first to get the GT3. Okay. And the GT3, the first ones, are actually not technically... They are GT3s. No question about that. Yeah. But they were built kind of like a project. And apparently right, the okay. production ones feel very much like that. And then there's a second run of GT3s in the 996. And they actually really said, yep, yeah, there is the customer demand that we thought there is, or they thought there would be. Let's make a really proper GT3. If you oh, like. Okay. I'm not saying if you've got an early one, you haven't got a proper one. It still is a GT3. It's just there was two generations. I think that's fairly widely understood that there's two. Sorry, carry on, Sam. Uh, I'm sort of reading as going, as I'm going here. So the they offered a 911 Millennium Edition. They did, which was which uh, is based on a Carrera Four. But it had a turbo front bumper. Came with a polished turbo look wheels. It did. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. So that one was that one. Uh, they celebrated the 40 year history in 2003. With a, oh, speci- 40th? with a special 40th anniversary edition. What does that have? Uh, this model has the 996 Turbo's front end and was available only in GT Silver Metallic Paint. Oh, yeah, sorry, that's the one I thought you said. When it's yes, yeah, X51 yeah. power kit, turbo radiators, limited slip diff, sport suspension, polished five-spoke alloys, GT3 side skirts, natural grey leather interior with natural matching grey. luggage set, sports seats, polished exhaust tips, Heated seats, option in Latin America, specified there. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Litronic, uh, Litronic, Bi-Xenon headlights, special dynamic sealed panels, and a special 40 Jar 911 logo on uh, the engine yeah. cover. Oh, there you go. That was close. Uh, I could be wrong. It's just how I've always said it. And a power increase to 341 horsepower. Only 1,963 units were made. Um, do you know why only 1,963 were made? 1963. Well done. Year of the, uh... Congratulations. Okay. Not bad, is... was it? Not bad off the top of my head. Not bad. Pretty easy, but not bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's pretty much all I have for this section. So I'm hoping by this point, Miles has found some form of list of what is available. No, people are quite useful, actually, for, for just listing them. So I'm going to keep going with the list that I have off the top of my head. Okay. I'm fairly sure I've got them all, but... I wanted to just try and give it to the listeners in the right order of hierarchy. But okay. I suppose possibly it doesn't matter that much. So you've got, um, well, I say Carrera 2, your basic Carrera. Carrera 2, Carrera yeah. 4, Carrera S. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you've got a Targa. Okay. Then you've got the Carrera 4S, which is the one you like. Yep. Turbo, Turbo S. Off to the side, GT3, GT2. Those, I think, are the, if you, I don't want to say standard versions, but the ones that, um, apart from the GT2, uh, apart from the GT cars, then you could have always bought them. 
Like you right. didn't you didn't okay. need to there wasn't like oh we're doing a very limited run of. Yeah. Um I, I guess the GT three and GT two was possibly limited, but maybe not like we're only building X amount. It's just Yes. Okay. This is very late on the build, as many as we get orders for, but we're not expecting many because this is the top. Mm-hmm. Um I'm just trying to think if I've I've missed anything, but I don't think there's So do they have a turbo and a turbo S? I'm pretty sure the 996 has a Turbo S. You can correct me if I'm but wrong. But they have both. So it's a Turbo and a Turbo S. Yeah, like a more, pow- yeah, just right, a more okay. powerful That's one. interesting. Sorry, I thought you were going to... No, I just <laughs> thought... I thought you were going to no, expand yeah. on that. Well, I just think it's interesting, because it's not... Is it offered on many other variants? To have, have a turbo, turbo and a Turbo S? Uh, you can have Turbo S now on... Yeah, I th- well, I mean, the Cayenne did a Turbo S later on, so it was like a... Uh, on the first generation, I think it was again. Well, you can check our buyer's guide for this. We've got YouTube buyer's <laughs> guide on the Cayenne, and it's the second podcast in a row. And I've got to shoehorn one yeah. in. So it's YouTube, the miles driven, and then you can check out the. I think it's the nine HA generation. Oh, there you go. But, um, yeah, the Turbo S came in 06. I've actually driven the Turbo S. Have funny you? enough, yeah, it was the one that came in when I had that sort of small dealer with the um, just oh, doing okay, the used yeah. Prestige. Yep. And I think I told you the story of. It, it sold to a guy who told me this story about him and a friend had been having horsepower wars. He was sort of a, say, 40, 50-year-old guy. And since they were 18, they'd been having horsepower wars. Because when it right. started, it was like, he's got an Escort 1.6, oh, so okay. I need to tune my Escort 1.6. And as they <laughs> sort of got older and a, you know, had a little bit more money in the bank, they'd gone up and up and up. And uh, now it was like nothing below 500 horsepower. <laughs> you know, it was that sort of rule of... Uh, so yeah, and that was a Turbo S, and I remember driving it, and it felt bizarre. I remember being the right. outside lane of the motorway and thinking, this, this traffic's moving really slowly. <laughs> and it was, it didn't, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't move like a, um, like an M5, yeah. where you feel viscerally sort of thrusted to another part of the road. It just felt like you've been lifted up and placed. Okay. <laughs> just... just it's as if there's a, a a magic carpet underneath that just sort of thrusts it up the road. There you go. Because it's so large and it doesn't display all its power sort of all the time. It's very torquey. But as you build up the revs, all of a sudden you get more and more and more. And as I say, it is someone's put their hand under the car and just gone, oh, you need to go a bit faster. There you go. <laughs> just like, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, Turbo S now uh, for the 911 generation Cayennes, I think Panamera had a turbo s okay. and of course now the taken even though it's not uh, got a combustion engine they do a turbo s model right it's the most powerful electric car they they do okay um sorry sam are you checking I, something yeah on? did you want to go in yeah go on no i was just looking for because there's one particular one that i like quite a lot you may have come to me too soon because i'm just trying to have a look for it but there's one particular carrera 4s there's, there's, there was like a special edition of the Carrera 4S. Was there? Yeah. Which is, I think it's just a body kit that you could get for them. Um, which isn't... It's got a different spoiler. It's got a, slight, it's got a slightly larger body kit on the... I think... That, and it's got a red S badge, which yeah. I think some of them had anyway. I think some of them had it anyway. I think the one that you've seen, that I've seen a lot, that's quite a famous one, the yeah. one you've got a picture of. I think that's like a, a, a tuner in America. Oh, okay. Uh. But still, it's just it's my particular favourite of that 
Yeah, for, the for no were... reason yeah. other than yeah, I just like it. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because it, the 4S has the body of the turbo. Yeah. You've always liked the 4S. Yeah. It's, you know, like from aesthetics wise, if you're like, well, I just like the wider body. It's like, why don't, why wouldn't you have the turbo? And you're like, oh, I still like the 4S. Yeah, so. which is weird, but I definitely take a turbo, 100%. So Because the benefit you get with the turbo is it's got the um, the sort of gills in the rear arch. Yes, it also it? has the... Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to remember that. Is it the, does it have the Mesca engine? Is that the oh, difference? I, I genuinely don't know. So they do, it doesn't suffer with the uh, engine. There's a IMS bearing, which I think all of the Carreras suffer for until they were until they facelifted the 997 generation. Oh, However, okay. when I say suffer from, yeah. we're talking about a, a few, a smaller percentage of cars. The problem is it's like anything. Once a car is known yeah. for an issue, uh, when, we were, when we've created this podcast, I was doing the, one of the scripts, one of our videos. It's uh-huh. the M3 video. I did it fairly recently. And there's a rod bearing issue with them like as in the early ones they just wore, wore the rod bearings down now it affects i don't know let's say five percent of the whole production let's just oh, okay. say let's say five percent uh but you would think the way it's reported every single one has yeah. to and it's become now a thing of well if you're going to buy one you need to get this done at some point it's a, you know, yeah. a few thousand pounds and i would you know it's the thing is if you don't, if you're trying to tell people what to buy i understand what happens is you've heard about this issue you want to give good advice to people who are looking at you and saying oh you you know what you're talking about what do you think and you want to say look i don't want to tell you don't worry about it because you might <laughs> buy one where you should worry about it so why don't you just get it done and it's peace of mind but of yeah. course then it becomes like everything is every single one's affected and every single one is not affected no it's just that classic issue of once a car has a known issue that's affected some of them, all of them get tarnished with that rush. Well, it's like my Astra. My hmm. first one had a recall on it for the horn. Yes. Because the horn wouldn't work properly. Yeah, yeah. My current one, it's actually started working again now, but last week the horn just stopped working. Because it it, it's you. something to do with a connector somewhere, I'm guessing, which is... Shows you what sort of uh, driver Sam is when his horn is worn out. Well, ironically, I, I needed to, how do we put this politically correctly? I needed to alert yeah. a cyclist, well, a group of cyclists to my presence, oh, seeing I as see. they were riding three abreast and yeah. taking up the whole lane. And with the new rules, yeah. I would have had to drive into the adjacent field to yes. overtake them. The, ca- because the county three, next to you. Three metres is what you're supposed to give them. But seeing as they were riding <laughs> over about two metres of the road, yeah. The three meters I needed would have and taken me into the verge. <laughs> they are supposed to move. That's yes, I know. That's what, rules. I, that's what I was just trying to gently alert them to. Is that, that you I were was there. there? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. it's difficult to hear a car. You know, yeah. With the tires and the engine, especially when you're driving it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and suddenly realise you don't have a horn. Yes, uh, that, and that just I was. It wasn't. I genu- at the time. I genuinely. I wasn't angry. I was just like, oh. You just want to bib them, sort oh, of like bib. For God's sake, you, yeah. guys, come on, just move over. Like yeah, you don't. Yeah. I understand you want to have a chat while you're riding, and that's fine. I, if I was riding, I probably would as well. But as we've said before, it's all very well and good maybe being on your high horse or whatever you want to call it because the, the highway code's changed. But if you do have an accident with a car, you're on a bicycle. Yes. The other person is in a car. They're going to go home. 
And all right, you can probably prosecute them and they might get sentenced or whatever. But that's if you are alive. If you have an accident with a car, you're on a bike. You're coming off that bike and then you're hitting the road. This person in the car will just, well, if they wanted to, could just continue on their journey. So it's more of a just, you know, come on, just let's all just be sensible here. If you guys just go single file, let me and the th four other cars behind come you past four you. Cars behind you. Yeah, you only because just... we we just come off a roundabout. It was only on the the sort of long straight up to my okay. village. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like a just oh god, come on. And I just thought I'll just give them a quick beep just to see. But they might not have heard me. They might have yeah, headphones yeah. in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't working. That just like, just flew me into a rage because <laughs> I was just, like, hitting my steering wheel because I couldn't <laughs> do anything. And at that point, I just there was cars coming the other way, so I couldn't overtake them. And then obviously, um, yeah. And then you were late. Well, I wasn't late because I was going home. So oh. there was no definitive time I had to arrive. Well. Because it was only afternoon anyway. So Yeah. If you'd been coming here to do the podcast, I would have said you were late. Well, yeah, so. but you tell me I'm late anyway. I could turn well, up the day true. before and you tell me I was late. Uh, but well, you've been... Only because you probably would turn up the day yeah. before. <laughs> so you've been Googling. Have you found anything that you were uh, looking to Google? Or? So I just wanted to double check. Well, a couple of things that I said. Yeah, it is the Mesker engine for the turbo. Okay. And yes, it's the IMS bearing, which can lead to catastrophic engine failure. And because of that, that affects... That would be the one you'd buy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, 100%. After it's gone. Oh, yeah. No, I, <laughs> and, I, and I meant, yeah, after it's gone. Um... The effects of the 996 and early 997s. Okay. Then I think Porsche worked it out when they facelifted the 997, but that's way outside of what we're talking about here because that's like 2010. Yeah. Um, where we're talking about the earlier ones. Yeah. Now, they were. I remember uh, when these became, I would say they're least popular because I they, I think someone traded one in once. I can't remember what they were buying. I just remember looking and thinking. I don't think the valuation's correct. Oh, really? Uh, well, only because I'd got this valuation. I think I was valuing the car at something like just high sevens, like £7,700. Okay. And a Porsche 911. I'm thinking, hmm, I better double check that with our, I think I called the Aston Martin dealer that was in the group. Yeah. Because they obviously see these a lot more often than I do. And um, I thought they would be able to just double check and say to me, yes, if it's one of those, that's right. or no, the we used cap at the time, which is current auction price. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, what you're getting is uh, this is what they're going through at the block. But when you ever you pick a rarer vehicle, like sports sports cars, um, stuff that's special edition, yeah, uh, manufacturers that do low volume, because how rarely they go through the block, as we'd call it, uh, they rarely right. go through the auction. The data gets really skewed. If you have three go through. And two are average, and one has been crashed through a fence. The <laughs> yeah. the average value of these through an auction is really <laughs> low because it doesn't tell you on the report two were were, were actually went for say fourteen thousand, and the other one went for three because it was upside down as it got pulled through. You know? yeah. Um. So I gave them a call and uh, spoke to one of you know sort of colleagues over there who was very nice about it and said, "Yeah, you know, I've seen one of those. Is it is anything special about it?" Was his first words to me, and I was like, "No, I know, I know what you're asking." Is there any sort of options that are going to make this more attractive? Yeah. I said, no, it's a, it's just a silver, yeah, you know, nine nine six. Um, it's done a hundred and five hundred and ten thousand miles. It's got service, but it's not all Porsche. It's got some specialist in there, some whatever. Okay. Um, so it's not got anything that's particularly attractive. It is just a nine nine six nine eleven, um, in silver, with you know, but it, it's running, driving, everything's working fine. Yeah. And he went, yep, yeah, that sounds about 
that bang on what I would give it. He said, I'd, he said, if anything, he probably was going to bid it slightly lower just in case because he said, you need the brakes doing. Right. You're okay. not going to make any profit on that car because mm-hmm. he said retail, you might go. Uh, some people, when I say the, the next figure, are going to uh, you know, cover their mouths in shock. But they said retail will probably go 12. I know people are thinking, oh, what, 4,000 profit? It's not 4,000 profit. No. That would go through, the get, well, go through our checks if we were going to sell it. It would need some remedial work, a service. Then you have to pay VAT on your profit. If yeah. we got out that with, say, 1,500 to 2,000 profit, would have been remarkable. Yeah. Uh, you've got to think, if you're servicing cars like that, it's, it's not just a case of, oh, it's 200 quid for a service. And then it's and we need to put out, some tires on, say what, oh, 180 quid for some tires. Yeah, it might be 180 quid per tire. Per tire, yeah, <laughs> at least. And this was the point he made to me. He said that you know, on the age it is, the mileage it is. He said, J- just if you need to do the brakes, he said you're not going to make any money on the car. Yeah, and that's the problem. A lot of people don't take this into account when we're talking about expensive stuff. If it comes into the trade and it needs four jobs, yeah, it can end up being a loss. And, you know, who pays for a loss? The consumer, because we have to put our other prices up to make up for the loss we've just made on that one. It's not dealers screwing people over. It's a simple business thing. You know, it's, yeah. you can't keep making losses. You go out of business. So um, I spoke to the guy and I was like, look, I don't know what you're expecting. This is where we valued it. And he was a bit like, it's less than I want for it. I think I could get. And I think he said something like 10 privately. Right. But, and I remember okay. thinking, God. Ten thousand pounds, you know, on Auto Trader mm-hmm. for a Porsche nine eleven. Like it, this isn't this isn't a, a. I'm not being derogatory to Boxsters or Caymans, but they're the lower Porsches. Yeah, it's your entry level, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, this is a proper nine eleven. Yes, it's the entry nine elevens, but it's a proper nine eleven. You know, and uh, in the end, I think it actually did come into us. So I think something like eight thousand. Oh wow! Was okay. where we shook hands on it because he had. Um, provided us with its recent service report which okay. was from a specialist so it, it didn't have full porsche dealer um, stamps but it had a few dealer stamps some sort of not specialist not dealer just sort of average garage and then when he bought it he started going specialist right okay. and the garage has sort of given a report with it and it, it was a bit of a going out on a limb for us because it's like well they could have just missed stuff but if anything if they're a porsche specialist they're more likely to spot the things that our guys yeah. won't spot because they deal with more run-of-the-mill everyday stuff. So that was their point where I'd say they were at their absolute weakest, and that was 10-ish years ago. Since then, I think they've been treading water for about about five years after that. They sort of sat around that same right. area. People, what are you, what are you going to say? That's fine. I've got, some, I've got auto trade okay. so we can play a game in a minute. There we go, yeah. Uh, then they fell into this. This always happens when something with a good badge falls to its lowest point. Some of them got ruined, of I would course. Say, yeah. Uh, either through poor maintenance, uh, this, and this is where they get notorious for a problem because they'll blow up on someone that were, wasn't maintaining them to the level they need to because they didn't really have the money for the maintenance. It's all well and good to buy a Porsche 911 for, um, for 10,000. Yeah. But it's another thing to pay for the, you know, the Pirelli tires that need to go onto it or for the plethora of other sort of service bits that just come about with knowing these, uh, I'm sorry, with servicing the cars. If you know them and you can do it yourself, then they're, you know, it's an okay prospect. But when, uh, when you're 
at relying on another garage to provide that for you. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they fell into that for a while, and I think that's knocked a few out of the market because they got into such bad shape that then they became sort of parts cars, if you like. Like They were, they were just worth more yeah. split apart than they were um, you know, to people. So they, in the last five years, I think they started to get their appreciation again, uh, possibly because they have hydraulic power steering. So it's, okay. It's them and the 997 generation that followed that are the last 911s to have hydraulic before pit, put a, before Porsche switched over to electric um, power steering. Okay. Uh, Porsche actually did it really well, I think. But, you know, hydraulic's hydraulic. It's, it's just better. I, I, I do feel like a lot of the time we get pulled into new technology because someone says, yeah, well, that will save a bit of fuel. We should do that. And it's like, really? Like, <laughs> I, you know, the, the whole thing with uh, someone... I don't know if I watched a video on this or I was talking to someone about it a while back. They were talking about turbocharging. They were saying, yeah, well, turbocharging makes it more torquey, definitely, and more powerful. But you ask the average person who's got a fast turbocharged car what their miles per gallon is and someone who's got a fast, naturally aspirated engine. And it's only really when they're cruising off boost that there's right, a difference. Okay. And I was like, actually, that's a fair point because I've had fast, naturally aspirated cars and then I've had turbocharged stuff that's been really bad on fuel and, and thought, well, I thought this was meant to be more efficient. And you realize, well, yeah, it's faster. But when you're using the power, you're using yes. the fuel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's the inherent problem with it, yeah, really, isn't it? it? <laughs> it's the thing of you've bought a performance car and on the top end, it can do higher miles per gallon. But because it's a performance car, you didn't buy it to do that. So you end up, just sort of getting you know uh lower miles per gallon in the first place which you could have got another one and when you do things like switching to electronic power steering because that gives you a slightly higher figure for its testing i don't know to me you get more feel with hydraulic so yeah but anyway because of that uh, the 996 and the 997 have started to become uh, appreciated 997 anyway you know that was that was doing better but the 996, because of its price and because of what you get for your money, and they've proven themselves to be very sturdy. You know, there's some going around with 150, 160,000 miles just maintained. You know, you, you sort of silver. I, I always say sort of bog standard. It's not, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Silver there's, 911. Yeah, por it, Porsches, have, I think if you were to colour a Porsche in, you'd colour it silver yeah if you were looking for sort of like you do a ferrari red you do a lamborghini yellow yeah you do a mclaren orange yeah the, some cars have got a specific As color that you color associate them. them with i know porsche would would want it to be guards red that's there yeah but unfortunately they sell so many in silver that it just becomes a thing of if you've got a standard resale porsche if you like you know one that you bought it knowing that you weren't going to keep it forever it's probably silver and it probably hasn't got that many yeah. options on it um but because of that over the last three or four years, they've become a, a preferred choice. I say a preferred choice, but people who are looking for Porsche ownership are saying, well, I can afford a Cayman, or I can take that step up into 911, but it's going to be a 996. Yeah. And I think for a while, people were like, no, I'll have a Cayman or a Boxster. And now people are like, actually, 
the 996, everyone talked how rubbish it was and everything else, but there's um, an article we've done on this, actually. It was a while ago on the Miles Driven. Have you not done a buyer's guide? I haven't done a buyer's guide. Do you know, <laughs> the, only, the only reason we haven't done a 911 buyer's guide yet for any generation, there is so many details that you need to get right. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's, and it's one of those things of, we'll always, if we're doing a buyer's guide, uh, we will do it and try and be a hundred percent i always say in them when we when we do them you know the, our lists are not exhaustive of, of problems and things like that because you'll never know absolutely everything but i don't want to put stuff out there to people and say this is what you need to look out for and then miss something obvious yeah and we've had it on exactly. one or two and i have said on the videos like if anyone knows them you know if you've owned this car and i've missed it please comment and we've had uh i'm trying to think it was the uh, volvo xc90 and someone okay. pointed out to me that I'd missed. Um, there was an issue on the V8, which I didn't, I knew about, didn't think it was that much of an issue, didn't mention it. And then someone said, oh, it's, it's a really odd issue. There's uh, something at the back of the engine that can get water ingress, and that causes it to seize. And it was only on early models, and other people were saying, well, if you don't, you know, if you, in, in dry countries, if you like, yeah. that was never a problem. If, you, if you're just aware of it, it won't be an issue. And so there was a bit of backwards and forwards on that. The only other thing uh, someone did mention on one of them, I can't remember what it was now, but someone just mentioned, oh, you um, missed off this. And it was weird because I was like, oh, that was actually in the script and didn't make it to the final edit. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it was the, it was the, nine, it was the Cayenne that, we, that I did. And they said, oh, you've missed off. Um, it was in the V8. And there was a error. There's a problem with it of some sort that can cause the cylinders, I think, to it cause the engine to overheat completely. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's that. But basically, yeah, it was like someone was like, you, you didn't mention that. And that changes your whole buyer's guide. Because yeah. it was one of our suggestions. And I was like, ah, how weird. It's in the script. It's not in the video. So thanks for pointing it out. But actually we would sort of said go for the vr6 engine or the v6 or however you want to put it it's the golf engine they put in the cayennes the uh, oh, r32 okay. and r36 yep. passat engine in and then i said or go for the 4.8 in the gts and this person was like the 4.8 is the one to go for and i was like well we agree then because i've also said go yeah. for the 4.8 and they were nice about it and said oh yeah sorry i didn't realize you said that as well but yeah so we've had that a couple of times when you look at the 911 range when you look at some of the intricacies that can the owners have picked up, and, and we try and be general at first and then go into engines and all our buyer's guides, I just, if we're going to do it, I want to be right. Oh, yeah. So 100%. I think uh, I think we will do one eventually, but not quite yet. It needs more, um, needs a bit more research, a bit more time, and it needs people who own the car to sort of come to us and also say before you do that you should be aware of you know this thing that affected just six months of production in 2003 for example yeah so we've had some really good people within the community that we have um on youtube who've sort of said oh you know i own one of these if you're doing a video let us know and i'll tell you about the experience i've had with ours and that's, well, that's cool. really helpful because it, when i'm doing all the research for them and I hand it all off to Sam, and Sam, of course, does quality control and yeah, yeah fact checking. Exactly that. Basically, putting the whole podcast together. Yeah. Uh, well, this is the bar. And you just turn up. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just talking about the podcast. Oh, right, yeah, sorry. And then, um, well, if you'd let me finish. Sorry, you sorry, know, yeah. Putting the whole podcast together, you just turn up, and then meanwhile, sorting out all of the YouTube videos, mm. uploading, replying to all the comments it's through all you. It's, yeah. it's insane. Uh, but the, they had said, you know, it's and it's great when you've got an owner, because you can find that all the, you know, you can research yeah. it all, find all the general all the stuff. You and stuff as well, can't you? But... Someone might say to you, oh, on my one, I had this issue. And you dig into that yeah. and you realize, oh, actually, it's just not talked about. It's an issue and it's come off a few times, but it's not known as a common fault because it's uh, BMW X5. We did the buyer's guide on the door. Uh, sorry. Two in one. Four, three in one. Oh, I'm doing got, well here. Yeah. yeah. We did the buyer's guide on the X5, the E53. So yeah, the first X5s that came out. Yeah. The door handle mechanism breaks. Just okay. a known fault with them. But people talk about it, of course, all the time. But it's not something that's, like, catastrophic. Yeah. So it's not sort of the forefront of what you'll find as you're trying to research what can go wrong with this car. Because a lot of people go, oh, yeah, the mechanism's broke. They either get a garage to fix it or they'll get in there and do it themselves. And so it was only because we had people who would say, oh, yeah, you should know about this. And then you dig into it, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> people don't people don't come screaming about it on a forum because it's you know a couple of hundred quid and they're sort of like well is what it is and they yeah. maybe they think they've broken it by pulling the handle too hard or whatever <laughs> else um but anyway sorry sam i, I know you're desperate to say something and i keep going no, no we've got we've got, we can end on our game oh like. yeah go on we've got a little go game on. for the 996 generation so we've excellent got nine models okay which i'm hoping is what correlated with what you said earlier <laughs> 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 if it hasn't then we've really messed up so i've been well, on, what I've, did i say i said Carrera Bob. 2, Carrera 4, yep. Carrera S, Carrera 4S. There isn't a Carrera S. Is not, there not? Not on Auto Trader anyway. Is there so not? I've got Targa. Oh, I look, I look Targa. Silly now. Carrera 2, Carrera 4, Carrera 4S, GT2, GT3, GT3 RS, Turbo Turbo S. GT3 RS? Yeah, there was a GT3 RS. There was, wasn't there? Yeah. That was the. F- okay. Yellow, uh, white, and red was the standard white colours. White, red, that and came white, out. and blue. Yeah. Yeah, the two they did. Okay, so there was there. Are you sure there wasn't a Carrera S? Well, I couldn't, there wasn't one on Auto Trader. Okay, doesn't necessarily mean that. Well, but no. yeah, they would be common you'd, enough that you'd find yeah. them. So no. How weird. Okay, well I was yeah. wrong. Yeah. Right. So I've got a few questions, um, and then I'll run through all of the facts after. Okay. So what do you think is the cheapest? So I want the model of the cheapest one you can find on Auto Trader of all nine categories. Ooh. Spoiler, it's not the GT3 RS. Is it not? <laughs> is it the Carrera 4? Do you know what? It's joint Oh, uh, with oh, the Carrera uh, 2? Yes, well yeah. done. Okay. Rough price? Uh, um, 11,000 oh, Do you know what? I'll give you it. 9999. Oh, okay. So the cheapest Carrera 2 well, is a 99 model. Yep. With 151,000 on it, and that's up for 9999. Was it in silver? Uh, yes, I think it was. <laughs> I think most, well, all, I think most yeah, of, all of them were silver. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> Even Car- the GT3 RS. Yeah. <laughs> silver. yeah, okay. The Carrera 4, 9999, it was the GT3 RS by yeah. a considerable amount. I was going to say the GT3 RS, and then I thought, a Sam throwing me a curveball, and it's going to be a GT3 RS? So do you want to have a guess at the price of the RS? 
Uh, it's got to be really expensive because the GT2s are still expensive. So £130,000. No, not. I, I'm not giving you that one because you're nowhere near close. 212 Closer. <laughs> wow. The cheapest one you can find on Auto Trader is a 2003 model, 15,000 yep. miles, £179,000. Wow. Is that red and white or is it red and blue? That was a red and white one. Oh, okay. So... I'll do, we'll go through the I rest. Suppose. We'll go through the rest of them, and you can just guess the prices. I'll give you the mileage and the year, and you can give us a rough price. Do you reckon anyone's ever going to drive that GT3 RS again? Probably not. Or is no. it just going to be go a to museum somewhere in it? Hand yeah. around, which is a shame. Because fifteen thousand miles, very low. Very low, considering it's a two thousand three. And it's what's almost twenty years old. Do a track day in this. Yeah. <laughs> in this yeah. twenty. Like there's much better track day cars yeah. for that money they could buy that are newer. But <laughs> maybe, maybe. So the one I thought was going to be the cheapest, but I think they're probably just they're just sought after. So what do you think the cheapest Targa model was? Mm, I think so. Be... It was eighty nine thousand miles. Okay, so quite low. I think they're on rare. a two thousand and two. There yeah. was only three. Yeah, I was going to say I think they're trailer. rare, and that keeps the price up. Eighteen thousand. Close sixteen. Okay, so you're not bad there on that one. Yeah, we've done the Carrera two. We've done the Carrera four. Carrera four S two thousand and three model, hundred and thirty five thousand on it. 23,000. Cheaper. Oh. 17,500. A positive snip. I mean, I'm not going to say that's not bad because it's still 17. Well, how many miles were it? 135, which is quite a lot. Uh, yeah, but then again, it's what age was it? It's a 2000... so 2003, so it's been driven. Just coming up for 20 years old. Yeah. It's average. It's not bad. 6,000 miles a year. Yeah. Seven. So it's been a driver for someone at some point. Yeah, six or 7,000 miles a year. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've done, we didn't do the GT2, did we? Uh, no, no, I just said it. Oh, earlier. so, we'll, oh, so we'll, we'll go turbo. up in the right order. We'll yeah. go turbos next. So the cheapest turbo, two thousand and two, seventy-seven thousand miles on it. What are we thinking? Thirty-two. Oh, thirty-one five. Ah, oh. <laughs> so close. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I've looked at them fairly oh, recently okay. just to see how they were going. So. Turbo S. Oh, I've got no idea. Two thousand and five, eighty-seven thousand miles on it. Uh, fifty-two thousand cheaper, thirty-eight thousand five hundred. Yeah, okay. So yeah, okay. if you got this sort of money, it's good consumer advice. This, I mean, to be <laughs> fair, Sam, like if you got twenty thousand pounds to spend on a car to enjoy right now, so I'd, far you could have a four a career. I'd, four. I'd go for the four S and get a slightly better one. You get a slightly better one. Yeah. You could also. What was the turbo money? Sorry. Uh, the turbo money was thirty-one. Okay, so, so that's out. out. That. You could have though. You could have a Targa, a two, a four, or a four S. Yeah, and you could have a, a bit of a nicer I mean, 4S yeah. if you're saying 135. It's not bad. You could probably get one that's got you know the right service history and stuff like that. You could be yeah. a bit picky. Yeah, you could be really picky, mileage, but, but you could be picky enough. Okay. It wouldn't be bad. Right, so we've only got a couple left, so we're into the big, the big boys now. Okay. GT2, 2003 model, 30,000 miles. You'll notice the mileage has dropped significantly. Yeah, on these. I was going to say. <laughs> uh, um, I'll give you a clue. We're north of 100. Oh, okay. That's, that's helpful. Uh, hundred and twenty-five thousand. Oh no, much cheaper. Hundred and four. Hundred and four. Again, okay. positive snip. I mean, <laughs> and then the only one we haven't done, we've done the obviously we've done the RS. Yeah. The GT3. So just a standard GT3, two thousand and four model, with sixty-two thousand miles on it. Oh, do you know what? No, no, it's fine. I didn't say we were all above a hundred. So there you go. There's a clue for you. It's under five thousand pounds. Seventy-four thousand nine hundred pounds. Did they not do a GT2 RS on this generation? Is I, that the 997? Not that there, well, there wasn't a option for it. On you, didn't, you couldn't see one. But okay. I, That's could've... not to say they haven't. Yeah. But we couldn't see it. I think it, the so. GT2 was... 
pretty hardcore enough as it was on this yeah. generation. The fact they ever did a GT2 RS is insane. Yeah. <laughs> like they went, okay, we've got an absolutely out- outrageous vehicle here. Oh, can we can we make it lighter? And someone's gone. I mean, start ripping the carpet out. I suppose <laughs> like it's already it's already you yeah know, got everything going for it. Um, that's not. I mean, okay. It, some of them are a lot of money. Yeah, the, the but GT3, there's some at reasonable prices. Yeah, the, the, what was the GT3 price again? Is that cheapest one you found? Seventy odd. The, yeah, seventy four. What year was that? A 2004. So it's one of the latest ones. Oh, so that'll be one of the ones that really was a GT3. It wasn't, you know, bits being put together to make yeah. a GT3. It really okay. I would be interested to know what an early GT3 could be got for because I don't know whether. You know, sometimes things that aren't perfect sell for more. Yes. Like, as then they go, yeah. yeah, well, this wasn't really meant to be a GT3. We kind of got Carrera, because I think they got Carreras from the factory and then kitted them at Porsche and then yeah. said, this is the GT3. And I just wonder if people used to go, well, that's not, like, you want the later one, that's the better one. And now people go, oh, but you can have the one that almost wasn't meant yeah, to be. You exactly. know, and, and yeah, yeah. They're stratospheric because of that. Um. I th- yeah, the Carrera 4S really is not bad, is it? Not at all, I don't think. I mean, I know if you just want to go in at £10,000, you can get yourself either a Carrera 2 or a Carrera 4 and yeah. have, a, have a Porsche 911 and say to people, I've got a Porsche 911 and enjoy it. And you know what? No one would blame you for doing so. I'm actually a bit surprised you can still get them for 10 I think that's... Yeah, I think it's, it's a good deal. I think <laughs> knowing how well these cars were built... Okay, there's the IMS bearing issue that people go on about. And there's a couple of other service items. They're not exactly going to be the cost of a Ford Fiesta no. to, to maintain. However, if you are saying, I want a 300 horsepower sports car, not bad. No, not at uh, all. For that, for that area. And you've got a Porsche badge. And a few people will sort of be interested in it. And kids will still be like, oh, that's cool. That's a port. Well, yeah. I don't know. They probably wouldn't care anymore. They'd probably be like yeah <laughs> look at that it's an old museum relic yeah exactly all that person's got a new iphone or more interested in that <laughs> yeah um but not got bad for ten thousand but if you've got a twenty thousand pound budget yeah well, i think you're onto a winner there that sounds like a buyer's guide in the making miles yeah it really does doesn't it um <laughs> i only only because i'm just thinking about the things around that that would be newer you know a bmw m3 on the e92 generation yeah um would be more powerful would be newer would have a V8, um, but it's. I don't want to say it's not a Porsche because it's an M3, so they they both carry cachet from a badge point of view. Yeah, but I just there's something about a Porsche 911. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, maybe it's because you can't. Or they're, they're very difficult to work on because the engine is yeah. back. And <laughs> yeah. I say they're really difficult to work on. I bet a 996 is is if you've got the means to lift it up in the air. Yeah, then you're probably all right. Then you're probably okay. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, probably want something that isn't the cheapest because something like an exhaust system is probably, mm-hmm. you know, if one's rusted out and it does need changing or the catalytic converters need changing, I can imagine that's where these things start to sting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, a quick part story is I had someone call up when I was doing parts years ago and they said, oh, I've got a Boxster and they needed just, I don't know, a fairly like the mid pipe of the exhaust or something. I was like, I'm really sorry, mate. That's um, that part isn't pattern made, so it's you know, no one's making it apart from Porsche and it's yeah. like 600 quid. 
He was like, oh, he said, I'm not a rich bloke. I've just bought a cheap nine, uh, sorry, a cheap box to convertible and it needs this part. And I was like, yeah, it's got a Porsche badge on it. I mean, yeah, I, I can't really. I mean, and that's compared to if you'd bought. I know you. I know Ferrari isn't a comparable car, but compared to the other upper echelons of cars yeah. with stamps on the parts, uh, it could be a lot worse. It's relatively cheap, yeah. yeah. And and you know, once you've done that part, it probably would work fine for you. Which you got, but you know, you just went and bought it from Porsche because why would you buy it from uh, someone else? That's the podcast, Sam. Very good. Anything you want to add in? As always. No. <laughs> <laughs> they had had everyone on the edge of their seat. I did. They were yeah. thinking, well, as always, what does he usually do? Oh, he always says no. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, not quite sure what we'll be doing next week. It might be a bit of car news, Ooh. but uh, I shall see in the meantime. Otherwise, uh, and actually, on our next podcast, as you're listening, Sam may be nervously, or his bride more likely, be nervously edging up to their wedding. I think, it will oh, okay. be, I think it will be days away as the next oh, podcast very good. comes up. Oh, we'll have oh, yeah. to bring it up on the next one then. Yeah, yeah. I say Sam will be uh, as calm as you like. But, yeah. Uh, his, as I currently am. Yeah. But his bride <laughs> will be there like, oh, rest of my life with this guy. Yeah. So a lot uh, like my bride was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, everyone. Have a good week and we'll see you in the next one. See ya. See ya.